Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast with your host, Maddie Moon. And I love podcasting and I love you guys showing up and listening. So I just have to say thank you for coming back to this podcast. Or if you're new here, then I just want to say welcome, welcome to my show. I am so happy to have you here and I hope you had a wonderful holiday if you celebrate because this episode is releasing right after Christmas and I'm recording it right before Christmas so I yet I don't know what I'm getting for Christmas so I I can't talk about those things because I don't know but I just want to say that I hope you all had wonderful time with delicious food and family and friends and maybe snow if you are in a place that likes to grace you with white billowy snow on Christmas morning, which is really weird here in Colorado. Normally we get quite a bit of snow by Christmas time. And today I woke up to the full, first full real snow, which was beautiful and really nice, but also kind of freaky because I had to relearn how to drive in the snow since it's been so long since it snowed. And other updates last time, on the podcast, I talked about my broken toe, and my broken toe is pretty much healed now, and I'm really grateful for that, and I know y'all are all just dying to know what happened to my toe, so I just had to share that. Today, we are speaking with Miss Lucy Fink, who is a 25-year-old video producer, lifestyle host, and stop-motion artist. At Refinery29, she created and hosts the hit YouTube series, Try Living with Lucy, where she takes on social experiments for five days at a time, documenting her experience vlog style throughout her time there she's been a loyal youtube fan base that has grown her personal following of over 100,000 on instagram and over 300,000 across all social platforms in addition to try living with lucy she has created a plethora of other video formats for refinery 29 that she hosts and produces lucy for hire where she tries doing another person's job for a day the Fink Tank, exploring scientific and bodily phenomenons, and original pieces for Snapchat Discover, Facebook Live, and more. On the site of her on-camera work, Lucy has been commissioned by brands to create stop-motion videos for social media. I adore Lucy Fink online. She's the cutest, and she's very real, and I love watching YouTube videos for people who do these vlog-style types of videos, but they have a direction and a focus. It's not only, here's what I did today, but instead, like her experiments, like I was saying, she will try something. She'll try a social experiment, which we'll talk about today on the show, for five days at a time. And so she'll document her whole experience of eating pizza for five days in a row or taking cold showers for five days in a row or eating like a vegan or I don't know what else she does, drinking a certain amount of water. But her video content is very creative And I just wanted to get her on because more than just loving what she's doing in the world, I really felt like we would get along. (laughs) Watching her videos, I was like, I really want to know this girl. So we recorded this episode together yesterday and it was really, really such a beautiful chat. And I'm so excited to share this with you. So enjoy this episode and do not forget to go to YouTube and subscribe to what she's doing with Refinery29 because it's truly entertaining. Today's review of the week comes from Erica Marie 17 and she says, holy connection with five stars. 
So often, I search for real human connection, not the surface level connection that we have all learned to have over the years, but real deep and powerful connection. And this podcast helps me to connect deep and inspire me to want to connect deep with others. Thank you, Maddie, you da bomb. Thank you, Erica, that's so sweet. And connection is my word of the year. So it really means a lot to me that you would say you feel real human connection on this podcast and it inspires you to go out and create that because connection is such a vivid aspect of my life right now, creating connection in a way that is new and and has been unfamiliar to me in the past. And it's really beautiful to be able to do that and bring those things I'm learning about connection on the podcast. And that's awesome to hear that you, you feel that it's relayed to you. So thank you, Erica. I'm so glad you are a fan of the show. And last but not least, before we head on over, this show is sponsored by Audible Trial. If you love reading, but you're always like, oh my God, I do so many things. I got to get in the car and I got to go here and I got to do that. I got to go to the gym and blah, blah, blah. And you just have a hard time sitting down to read. But at the same time, you really want to absorb all the good stuff that's inside of books. I highly recommend you try out the free 30-day trial that Audible is giving my listeners of the show by going to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. You can get a free audiobook so you can listen to it in the car, at the gym, at dinner, if you just feel like listening to some knowledge while you eat. The link to that will be on the show notes to this episode. And the last sponsor of this podcast is none other than Beauty Counter. My favorite type of skincare is safe skincare. And if you're interested in learning more about Beauty Counter, you can go over to beautycounter.com slash Madeline Moon and learn all about why Beauty Counter is the best skin care on the planet. Free from 1,400 different chemicals and parabens and everything is rigorously researched to make sure that what you're putting on your body is safe and you can trust it. Because unfortunately, most things that we find in Walgreens or at the store, they're not safe for our skin, but they're convenient. So we go to the store and we buy them, we use them and we love them and we we smell them and we put them on our kids and sometimes they accidentally get in our mouth or in our eyes or maybe that's just me, I don't know. But if you want to get more healthy in a very self-loving type of way, a great place to start is what you put on your skin. And not in a freaky, have to be super controlling and, and make sure that you don't get any of these other chemicals on your body. No, just making one small step to make sure that what you're putting on your eyes, on your face, is trusted. Whether it's your soap or it's your mascara, you know that you can trust that it's been researched and what you're putting on you and your children's is safe. So like I said, beautycounter.com slash Madeline Moon. You can always email me and ask me any questions you have about where should I start for foundation? What kind of mascara do you recommend that I use? Or what kind of body wash would you say is the best one or the lotion? I would be happy to help you start with some basics and work your way from there. That's all I have to share today. I am ready to introduce you to Lucy Fink because she's a phenomenal woman. So let's head on over. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. 
If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life altering discussions on freedom vulnerability abundance and so much more for more insight grab your free gift on maddiemoon.com and uncover your own once in a lifetime greatness within if you have kind words to say feel free to leave a review on the show in itunes or send your favorite episode to a friend we look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways and now without further ado here's your host maddie moon Okay, and welcome back to the show, everyone. This episode is airing right after Christmas. So I hope you had a wonderful holiday if you celebrate. And I am so grateful to have you back listening to the show for another wonderful episode. This time we are speaking with someone that I should say it's a real treat. We get to talk with her because I've been following this woman's videos from Refinery29 for, I would say, gosh, I don't even know, at least... At least half a year, maybe more. Um, and I've just been enjoying everything she's been doing, everything she's up to over in New York. And her authenticity is uh, so admirable. Like, I know how challenging it can be to really come across a media platform as who you are because there's so many outtakes and starting over and experimenting. And I'm really in love with the way Lucy Fink presents herself on, on her videos. So I had to get her on the show today and I'm so grateful for it. So welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, Lucy. Woo! Thanks, Maddie. Hey guys, and happy holidays. I'm assuming it's, it's after Christmas by the time this airs. Yes. Yay, Christmas. You have big plans? Yeah, I'm actually going to be away in Miami over Christmas. And then that's with my family and my boyfriend, Michael. And then my boyfriend and I are flying to St. Lucia to meet his family, and we're going to be there for New Year's. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like so much fun. Okay, wait. Where is St. Lucia? Because I've heard of this before, but I'm not sure where it is. That is a great question because everyone has asked it to me, and I had to continually look up a map because <laughs> I got completely turned around with where it was. But it's it's sort of close to Barbados. And um, if you think of where Puerto Rico is, you know, there's those little string of islands kind of to the southeast of Puerto Rico. There's, um, I think it's like Granada and Barbados. St. Lucia is one of those. Mm, that sounds so beautiful. What do y'all have planned? Uh, we're going to just be doing a lot of adventuring. I think we have a snorkeling day. We might have a hiking day. And I think we're doing a family yoga class, which is always mm -hmm. fun. <laughs> I'm curious, whenever you go on trips like this, is this your time where you're just like technology free, media free, like really present and away from filming anything? Or do you get the itch to start filming what you're up to in your trips and vacations? That is such a funny question because it is just so relevant to my life right now. Um, I think I would like to be a little bit more technology free than I probably am, probably a little less tech-free than my boyfriend would want me to be. He's always, he's a huge, you know, put your phone down, let's just live in the moment kind of guy. Um, and I do, 
I do get a lot of that in, but I just feel like the way my job is and the nature of my life and my job is that this whole fun, you know, playful side of social media that most people use Instagram and other social media forms for has become so seamlessly woven into my paid job (laughs) that I sort of no longer think of work as work or as or of play as play. It's sort of everything is just me living my life. And I've gotten to a stage where sharing content in a way that most people would consider just a fun post is part of my job. Uh, But it's also something I'm doing because I'm enjoying doing it. So when I go on vacation, of course, I'm off from the typical day-to-day duties of Try Living with Lucy or Lucy for Hire or the videos that I'm making for Refinery's YouTube channel. But I'm still kind of posting on my Instagram or my social media accounts as if I'm active, you know, the way any influencer would. And most influencers can't really just take a week off because it starts to get a little crazy. You have people DMing you, asking you where you've been, and you start to feel this sort of sense of, I owe you something, which, you know, you, you never owe them anything, but it does it does kind of feel like you're slipping away from your life, which is, for me, kind of both online and offline. So I definitely am not as attached to my phone as I would be during a day in the office, but I find myself, you know, I bring my vlog camera with me, and I find myself, like, envisioning scenes of things I want to shoot or a vlog that I want to either post on my personal YouTube channel or sometimes Refinery wants vlog videos. So I feel like I can sometimes kill two birds with one stone when I'm on a trip. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I'm sure you, you, you fell into this position. We'll talk about that. I'm very curious how you got this position. But this happened for a reason. It's because you enjoy it. You probably find a lot of pleasure from sharing your life and what you're up to and the excitement with people. And that's creating community. And I think that's something that those who are not a fan of the social media being an influencer world, or maybe not even not a fan, but aren't familiar with it. When they see people pulling out their phones, they think it's because they have like this scratching at their arm addiction. Like they just got to pull out their phone and, and it's really like a passion for a lot of people. And I have found it challenging for myself. So I'm really curious how you feel about this, but, um, if like I have been around friends who have in a sense shamed others for being quote addicted to Instagram storying their whole life. And I, of course there's a balance, but when I hear people say like, Oh my gosh, they're missing out on this beauty because they're Instagram storing it or they're filming, blah, blah, blah. I start to get embarrassed when I do that. And then I find myself holding back from, showing everyone what I'm doing. And I really want to, because it's fun for me to show people, but I get so nervous how other people see me or what they think of me. If I'm pulling out my phone while I'm in front of this beautiful mountain and I'm like, I can't do that. I got to be this cool Colorado chick who doesn't pull out her phone. She's always in the moment. And you're out there like constantly filming, probably you're filming by yourself, holding your camera out in front of you. And I'm sure you get stares and you get looks. How have you become accustomed and comfortable with that instead of being like, Oh, what are people thinking of me? Totally. And it it is a, it can be a constant struggle, but I think you kind of touched on 
the answer a couple of minutes before about how it really comes from a place of passion and enjoyment and not so much for the art of sharing and putting my life on display, but the actual art of creating the content and making videos and filming things is just so such a, a thing for me that gets me going and excites me. And while someone else might be more interested in, you know, looking at a sunset and painting it later, I'm trying to think of a, a metaphor mm -hmm. for another artist. I feel like for me, if I'm looking at something, I really just want to capture it in a way that's not just with the eye. And I think the debate that I have with my boyfriend occasionally will be watching a sunset and I'll whip my phone out and he'll go off on his tangent about how, oh, can't you just look at the sunset and enjoy it? I feel like once you take your phone out, it sort of removes you from the present moment. And I will argue this to the death of me, <laughs> that I genuinely don't feel... I know tons of people who pull out their phones and then become completely removed from the world because they're sucked into this void. And I just know that I, thankfully can multitask enough to be completely present where I am while I have my phone in my hand. And I'm not going to lie and say, you know, it's sort of like trying to drive a car while you're on your phone. Obviously, everyone is going to have a little bit of inattention because they're doing something else. So scientifically, probably I'm not fully present. But for me, if I'm watching a sunset and I have my phone out to capture the moment, I'm feeling almost more enjoyment for the sunset because not only do I still see it, you know, I'm still getting to watch it, but I know that I'm creating some sort of art form out of it and I'm capturing the moment in a way that is not necessarily for me to post it and share it, but I'd say, you know, 85% of the things I whip out and shoot on my phone just wind up sitting in my own archive so that I can go back and look at them and look at them as memories. And it's sort of a, a video diary of my life. And I think people get a little confused. You know, they think you're going to post everything and they think you're nothing is just for you anymore. It's everything is made to be shared and consumed by other people. But I definitely don't share all of the content that I create and I am genuinely creating it because it's enjoyable to me. And another example of that is sometimes I'll be sitting watching you know, my boyfriend will have football on the TV and I'll want to scroll through my Instagram feed instead. And, you know, when you're sitting with someone and they're watching something and they want you to watch it with them. Mm -hmm. So like, come on, we're watching TV. Can you put your phone down? And I'll immediately I'm like trying to equate the two because in my mind, him sitting there and watching football is his form of you know, mindless entertainment. He's come home from a day of work. He can sit down, turn on football, and enjoy it. For me, of course, if it was a, a different show that I was more interested in, I'd probably put my phone down, but I'm not that interested in watching football at the moment. So to me, having my phone in my hand and scrolling through Instagram is my form of mindless entertainment after a day at work. But actually, it's a little bit different for me because I find myself, every single time I open Instagram and I go down, a rabbit hole of looking at content and scrolling through other people's feeds, I always walk away feeling hyper inspired by what I've seen. And I know that's not what a majority of people, a lot of people who are on social media walk away with social media depression or they feel worse about themselves or, you know, they feel like they, they can't attain what they're seeing. I, maybe it's just cause I intentionally look at things that are inspiring and I, 
try to not click on things that I don't think are going to inspire me. But I always put the phone down with a reinvigorated sense of wanting to go do something or make something or create something. And to me, that's better than, you know, turning off a TV show and getting nothing out of it. And when you're scrolling on Instagram, if you ever have a moment when you come across something that leaves you feeling like you fall into into a comparison trap, I'm sure that happens every once in a while. What do you do? Because if social media is your sacred space and you find joy and pleasure from it, are you really in tune with that within yourself? And you notice if if you have some inkling of social media depression, so to say, from something, you clear it out, you unfollow it, and you like protect your space to make sure that your feed is exactly what you want to see? Or do you never feel that way and that just never happens? No, of course, I do find myself going down that path every so often. But I'm very in tune with myself to the point where I can easily catch myself and say, we're not going to go down this road right now. And normally what I do in that case is I start looking at something else and I, I take my mind away from it. And actually taking my mind and taking my feed away from it is actually algorithmically telling Instagram that I no longer want to see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I don't want to see something, I will myself not to look at it because it's I actually learned this at an Instagram meeting where they were kind of telling us how the algorithm works and how things show up in your feed. And they called it they sort of called it like the ex-boyfriend situation where if you have an ex-boyfriend who you keep looking at, it's no wonder he's going to keep showing up on your explore page. <laughs> And so they actually tell you if there's someone whose content you don't want to see, don't click on it because the moment you click on it, Instagram is getting an alert that Lucy likes this person's content. Let's feed it to her on a silver platter. And if you don't feed into that, you're sort of cheating the algorithm and allowing Instagram to only show you things that are going to make you feel happy. Mm -hmm. So initially it will take that determination to fill your feet up with things that inspire you and make you happy and and to get a little deeper that goes down to to worthiness right is saying like i deserve to have a space here i deserve to be able to open up my feed my phone and be inspired i'm deserving of that if 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 fitness competitions and bodybuilders and uh perfect sunsets when people are traveling and i'm working a nine-to-five bring me down then i need to look at cute you know puppies and kittens and and food things that make me happy You'd be surprised how well your Instagram knows you and, you know, maybe it's how well it knows uh, what you look at, even if you don't want to be looking at that stuff. But if you just go to your explore page, it will say, you know, there is a list of things that it's feeding you that you want to see. And I'm looking at mine right now and I have furry creatures, (laughs) Christmas tree lighting, uh, winter in Bryant Park candy making like this is the this is actually <laughs> I click on and so it, it pops up on my feed and when I'm scrolling through my news feed you know oh, I just got to hedgehogs that's the best I get hedgehogs all the time <laughs> that's like one I don't understand though because I mean I guess I have clicked on some hedgehog something at some point but I get so many hedgehog things and and mice and like I know. lizards lots of animals Instagram has a has a thing with weird animals and they 
they just always show up in the explore page and you can't help but click on it because you're just like, oh my God, I need to see what this thing is. I have, so the, when you go to type something in the search bar and it automatically pops up with people, you interact with a lot, right? Like, yeah, I just people. Yeah. I had someone, I had an ex that was on there and I told myself if I just don't click on it, it'll go away. And I swear to God, it was there for like three months without me ever clicking on it. And that's because I didn't go searching for anybody more than I had searched for him in the past. Right. I just kind of never searched for people. I mean, if I wasn't searching for my partner, I wasn't going to constantly go to someone's page to look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it, unless I was probably dating them. (laughs) Um, And so he was there for forever. And then finally I was like, screw this. I'm just going to block him. So I had to block him to get it finally (laughs) off there. And that the the thing there is just really being able to, to like, even for a little bit of time, finding a few people in your life that you enjoy their, their feeds and then typing them in maybe once, once every few days to get them at the top of that list there to get other people to go down. For anyone who's listening, if you have someone there and you don't want to see them, you've got to fill the void. You've got to start looking at other things that make you happy and hopefully it will replace that first person. Yeah. And isn't that just like a beautiful metaphor for life in general? It's like yeah. if you have this void and you're going through some sort of heartbreak, like fill your fill your life up with things that are inspiring and make you feel good, like podcasts and travels and, and food and just get out there and experience you again. Exactly. So I want to hear about how, I want to hear a little bit more about your backgrounds. Like where did you go to school? Where were you raised? And how did you get into Refinery29? Yes. The the long awaited tale of the life. (laughs) (laughs) So I was from Scarsdale, New York, which is a town in Westchester, just about 30 minutes out of New York City. And as a young child, I mean, my parents tell me now that the job I'm doing and the role I'm in is just so perfectly suited to who I was as a young child, just because I was constantly performing for my family. And I'm sure you know, I have a twin sister. And she's, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but she works in finance, and she's a little bit less of a public facing person. And she's a little bit not shy, but more reserved than I am. And so as a young child, I was always putting on shows for her. And she was my number one audience member, always front row when I was in the drama club. And in college, I was in an acapella group. And I always liked entertaining people in a variety of ways. But I actually thought that I wanted to go into medicine. And so we went to college together. We went to Johns Hopkins. And I started out pre-med as a neuroscience major and was really planning on going to medical school. And I thought either I was going to be a neurosurgeon or a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon. And I loved watching, loved watching really, really bloody TV shows uh, about like real life surgeries. And I thought, you know, I remember vividly when I was really young, my mom's friend, who's a plastic surgeon, came over to our house with a suture kit and pig's feet, and she taught us how to suture. And I was like, I'm going to be a surgeon. And my sister couldn't do it. She was, like, throwing up from the blood. So that made me feel like, I think when you're a twin, there's this sense of, oh, if one of you 
can't do something and the other can, maybe that's your life calling. So I always kind of thought I was just meant to be a doctor because I could watch the shows that my sister couldn't stomach. And we ended up going to school together. And my freshman year, as I was studying neuroscience, I realized that I wanted some sort of a creative outlet where I could make videos for the admissions office, just sort of on the side of my studies and show people, particularly I wanted to show my friends from high school what the city of Baltimore had to offer because everyone kept telling me that they saw the wire and I was going to get shot and it's such a bad city. And I had been there about a month and I was like, I mean, of course there are bad areas, but it's a beautiful city and there are some amazing places and neighborhoods and restaurants and art galleries and I just wanted to put that on display and I was also thinking about how fortunate I was to be able to visit Hopkins a couple of times in my decision-making process and I knew just how many students had come and came to the school without ever seeing it and the website didn't have that much content on it that was video content where you could really learn about the university or the surrounding city so I pitched this video concept that was sort of a travel channel-esque format where I was just going around Baltimore and it was going to be a YouTube video series and live on the admissions site and the head of admissions was so open to letting students come up with ideas I don't think they had ever had a student come forward as a freshman and ask to create a YouTube series. And I, of course, didn't know what I was doing. I had never posted anything on YouTube before or really used high-quality cameras or video editing software. I just felt like, you know, when I was little, I used to record myself with whatever camera we had, and I always liked editing with iMovie. I felt like I could tell a story, so why not tell it in video form? And he gave me the green light to go ahead paired me up with another student who was my co-host of the series, paired me up with a student videographer and a student editor and just told us to go shoot a pilot episode and bring it back to him. And long story short, that series went on for all four years of my college experience and became the staple series on the university's admissions site and brought in a ton of new people to the school. You know, we had a ton of people on their applications that wrote that they applied to the school because of the series, which I was just so blown away hearing that. And throughout this time period, about my early sophomore year, I was deciding about medical school and my major and what I actually wanted to do. And I felt very torn because I had always thought I was going to be a doctor, but then I had friends who wanted to be doctors as well, and there are plenty of those people at Hopkins, and they all were doing side projects that were lab work and volunteering in hospitals and being EMT, while my side work was YouTube videos. <laughs> and we would chat about you know, the, the next 10 years and medical school and residency and all the stuff that comes with med school. And the more I talked about it and the more people I spoke to, the more I was starting to realize that that path was probably not right for me. And I was enjoying what I was doing in the video space so much. And I think my mom actually tells me that I, I used to, I used to tell her that I wanted to be like Sanjay Gupta 
because I liked the idea of being a doctor who was on TV. <laughs> and my mom was like, that's not a job. That's not a field. Either you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be on TV. You're not going to play a doctor on TV. <laughs> because I don't think Sanjay Gupta started <laughs> as a correspondent. He, of course, started as a surgeon. And so I was trying to make the decision and... I was looking into Hopkins' various programs of what I could switch into, and finally I decided to get out of the neuro field, and I wanted to switch into some form of entertainment. And the closest major that Hopkins had to offer that I felt would allow me to be really creative, not really video-focused, but I felt fine because I had the video stuff as an extracurricular, was a creative writing major. And it was the best major in the world because we just spent all day writing fiction short stories and it was probably one of the most creative times in my life just coming up with characters and quirks and storylines and reading other people's stories and reading a ton of short stories by well-renowned short story authors and I was so inspired every day in all of my classes and when it came to graduation I was interning, I had interned at a couple of ad agencies in the production department, so I knew I wanted to be a producer, but then I also had this on-camera reel that I made at school, and I also knew I was comfortable on camera, but I was a little bit torn as to what I should do, because if I'm going to be honest, back then, I never really thought that being on camera was a skill. I was sort of like, this came naturally to me, and this was fun, but I don't think this is a skill. I'd rather learn a skill like being a producer or being an editor or being something and be able to have a hard, tangible skill. And I took a job as an associate producer at Ogilvy and Mather, and I was helping to produce a lot of branded entertainment there in one of their divisions called Ogilvy Entertainment. And it was very, a very good learning experience. It was essentially like, Learn More, See More, Be More, which was my Hopkins Baltimore show, but but with million-dollar budgets for major companies and shot all over the world. So that was a really great first experience into video production. But I had this kind of itch in the back of my mind that I wanted to get on camera somehow because I did it at school and I, I loved it, but I didn't know I didn't know of any companies that were – creating content like that, except for going into TV. And I was really interested in the digital side of things. And I, I felt like that was where the world was headed. So I wanted to stay there first and foremost. And thankfully, I had a coworker at Refinery29, who was one of our creative officers at, sorry, she was a coworker at Ogilvy, who was a, a creative officer. And she moved over to Refinery. And part of her job at Refinery was working to build up their new video division. And I think I had one meeting with her at Ogilvy where I totally treated it as an interview, even though it was not an interview. <laughs> and I went into the meeting and brought all my materials and I showed her all the videos I made at school. And I had been on the Today Show a few times as a college student, so I showed her all the clips of me on TV. And when she moved to Refinery... Thankfully, she she honestly, I told her thank you many times, but I don't know if, if this woman knows just how impactful she was to my career. 
But thankfully, she remembered what I showed her at Ogilvy and passed me along to the hiring people at the video team at Refinery. And I went in for a meeting with them with sort of a list of video formats that I would love to produce and host for a website like Refinery. And they were, it was absolutely just the right place at the right time with the right ideas. And I walked in, I didn't even really, I, I, to be honest, I didn't know what Refinery was. This was in about maybe July, June or July of 2015. And I hadn't even heard of the company at this point. It was before Snapchat Discover. It was before they really came onto the scene in the digital marketing world. And so I didn't even know who they were. And actually, in my mind, I didn't even want to leave Ogilvy because I, I saw Ogilvy as being so much bigger and better and more established and, you know, more of a secure job. But I went into this interview and showed them my videos and the chief content officer, Amy Emmerich, who ended up hiring me, she was just completely willing and, and open to let me come there and do basically exactly what I told her I would want to do if I came there. And it was a very comparable job to Ogilvy in terms of salary, and a lot of things were similar. It was just, in my eyes, a little bit of a, a riskier job because it was more of a startup environment and a smaller company, and I hadn't even heard of it. But the job just spoke for itself. She she essentially asked me what I wanted to do, and I told her you know, verbatim what my dream job would be, and it was just such a right time in that in, in the video team at Refinery where they were just looking for people to do exactly what I had said. And she had me send her the paragraph of what I wanted to do. And then she copied and pasted the job description into the offer letter. <laughs> and I was just like, there's no way I can say no to this. I'm about to get probably the best opportunity. I have no idea where it will lead. I don't even know if this video series that they let me host is going to pick up traction or go anywhere. But definitely seems like more of a, a creative role than I was doing before, a lot more freedom and just potentially a little cooler for that time in my life to be able to have those opportunities. And that was two years ago. So I, I made the move and then we're today. <laughs> Whoa, freaking sweet. I love stories like this, especially hearing how someone took the time out of their day, week, month, whatever, to like sit down with you and then pass your name along. It's like something as simple as that. Someone just saying, oh, I know this person who has this gift or is interested in having this kind of job and she would be a good fit. You know, it's like so incredible that that happened in your life. But, but also for a very short time and then she left and moved on and I, I she actually left when I was out of the office so I didn't even say goodbye and she's gone on to do some amazing things I think she started a new company but I seriously like this podcast is reminding me to reach out to her and just thank her again mm -hmm. yeah that's that's I mean that's so beautiful I love hearing stories like that and those kind of connections and um I, I think it's when you were talking about your initial passion to be a um, medical student and I was wondering, so when I was, when I watched your videos, I'm like, man, they're so like 
experimental and sciencey and there's research that goes into all of this. So I can see how this project is your baby and it's like a reflection of who you are because you're someone who's interested in digital media and you have fun being on camera, but then like you're getting the research and the science side of it and you're actually um, being investigative and yep. then you get to share that with the world and you create something that's specifically unique to something you're interested in. And I think that's really beautiful. Like being able to look at how you had this gift that there was a void in this world. A lot of times, so I work with women who want to have, they have business ideas and that's all great. And they want to be there, a coach for this particular kind of woman and help these people with this and this and this, but they don't see it being a big thing in the world yet. And whenever I hear that, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. If this job doesn't really quite exist yet and you want to create it, there's a reason you've been given this desire and this gift. There's a void. And that's what's so unique about what you do, Lucy, is that it's this representation of what you're interested in and, and makes it fun and exciting to watch. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you. And yeah, I think I've, I've definitely tried to sprinkle in some science and research and things like that into try living because I absolutely am interested in it myself. And normally when I'm pulling a video together, I just sort of think if I was a person who wanted to watch a video about this topic, what would I need to learn up front? What can maybe wait until a little later in the week? And I, I sort of map it out as almost a lesson plan for the audience. Um, but one of the, one of our new series, which is just on Snapchat Discover at the moment, we haven't posted it to YouTube yet, is was sort of my little dream baby series that I've had bubbling in the back of my mind. And it's called The Think Tank. And it's essentially just about the human body and bodily functions. And we've discovered that our Snapchat Discover audience is really intrigued by what what people would consider gross things in the human body. And... Thankfully, I'm interested in that, too. So I sort of, in every episode, bring on a doctor, and we discuss a topic, and we dive in, and then we do a little bit of, like, a Bill Nye demonstration to show in a, a visual way what is actually happening in the body when something happens. And we've only posted one or two of those to Snapchat so far, so they're, they're more in the works, but the feedback that I've gotten was just on par exactly with what I was hoping. It, I was getting so many messages that day that it was so funny, but so informative. And it was about menstrual cramps. And there were so many people that were like, I have my period right now. And you explained what is happening inside of me right now. And it was really informational, but I was squeezing jello. So it was funny. And <laughs> That's just like my dream response from the audience. Can we watch those? Or since it's Snapchat, have they come and gone? That's the saddest thing about Snapchat is that 24 hours and it's gone. Yeah. But I'm, I'm working with our YouTube manager to see if potentially in 2018 we can sprinkle in some of those assets just on YouTube because I, I don't think that they would perform as well on YouTube as a, you know, I wouldn't replace them with the series that the audience wants, but I feel like we could definitely add those in and some people would be interested in them. Yeah. I would love to watch those. My thing with Snapchat is I check it probably every four days mm -hmm. because I'm always on the Instagram stories now, but I 
Yeah, but I want to watch those. They sound fascinating. I do want to talk to you about the Living with Lucy five-day challenges. Yeah. So um, before I ask you my first question, can you explain uh, what those are for anyone who's not familiar? Sure. So Try Living with Lucy is the name of the YouTube video series, and each episode is a five-day. Sometimes it's longer than five days if I feel like the, the episode warrants it, but Normally, it's a five-day lifestyle challenge where I either do something different for five days or I take something out of my life that's normally there. Things like five days of being a vegan or five days of cutting out all coffee. Um, I've done more lifestyle things like five days of cold showers and five days of facing my fears. We've had about 75 episodes to date, and the series is one of the flagship series on Refinery, and it's kind of turned into its own little community on YouTube, and the YouTube audience is just so into it. There was one I watched recently preparing for this interview. I watched your five days of eating nothing but pizza. (laughs) And so I know you're not too familiar with this podcast, but so I used to be a fitness competitor, and I used to wear uh, the tiny little swimsuits, and I would do the bodybuilding shows and I had eating disorders during this time. And so if I had a six pack, people would be like, you're so healthy. You're so fit. Train me, blah, blah, blah. But deep down I was really suffering and I was really, really obsessing over food and my body image and control. It was really a method for me to feel in control of my life by controlling my food and how people saw my body and creating this false sense of success in life, even though it was very fleeting and it was never enough. And We've got hundreds of episodes on that, so I won't go into it. But when I watch people who, well, let me get specific. When I watch, when I watch this video of you eating pizza for five days in a row, I'm like, whoa! It takes someone who's totally cool with letting go of control, or or maybe not totally cool, but desires it, like desires to let go of control and just do this. So for me, and and partly it's that past mentality that I had for seven years of my life of good food, bad food, control, count your calories, blah, 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 blah. Being able to watch your videos of going for it and just eating pizza five days in a row and not being obsessive about gotta eat this many calories or this many greens and like just giving up control. When you do these videos, ones like that, how is that for you? Do you have any control grappling white knuckled like tendencies or do you find it very natural to be like, this is an experiment. I'm going to have fun and whatever happens, happens. I, I definitely try to err on the side of this is an experiment. You know, whatever happens, happens. There have been a few experiments to date where I've started something and just could not finish it. And I was very honest with the audience when that happened. So perfect example was I tried to do a five day juice cleanse and after Monday I almost fainted in the office and was just like this doesn't work for my body and I sort of switched gears I brought on a nutritionist and she was talking me through why you know a juice cleanse from her eyes because I know there's a whole debate about it but why she feels that Juice does not cleanse your body. Your liver and your kidneys cleanse your body, and there's no such thing as a juice cleanse or a detox. So instead, I would suggest you do this. And then I spent the rest of the episode kind of just eating healthy and and thinking about what I was eating and making sure I was getting 
the proper amount of protein and grains and everything that you need on your food pyramid. But it was a very controversial episode, which Refinery loved because the more controversial, the more comments, and then they feel it's a win no matter what, uh, which is, can be tough as as the person in the videos. I feel like everyone who decides that they're going to be the face of something needs to understand that a win for the company might not necessarily be a win for them on a personal level. Mm. But I definitely, you know, was open to doing the challenge because I know tons of people that have done juice cleanses and I had never, but I was also open to telling the truth about what happened and then presenting an alternative viewpoint on it. And I think with the pizza episode, it's an interesting thing about me with food and eating is I have, I've always been a little tiny bit underweight for my height and my, bo- my body type is just naturally very slim. My mom is the same and my twin sister is the same. Actually, my twin even more. She's a little bit skinnier even and taller. So it's sort of my, I get questions all the time about what I eat and, and what workouts I'm doing to achieve this body. But the truth is I have had the same body my whole life and I've actually tried to gain weight many times and it doesn't, my body just does not do it. And there's been a bit of an there's been a bit of an ongoing conflict with me in the sense of the only one of the only negative comments that I receive is people in the world telling me that I have an eating disorder when I actually know, you know, my situation and that it's quite the opposite. I'm actually trying to put on weight, but this is just some people's body. And then I grapple with the whole idea of you know, thin privilege and you can't, it's kind of difficult in today's world to complain about people skinny shaming you because I recognize that thin privilege is a thing. And especially at a company like Refinery, which is incredibly body positive and accepting, it's just, it's not really a thing that I am really able to personally openly complain about, even though it might be a jab at me when I read comments like that. But the pizza episode was honestly a a type of video where I just genuinely wanted to try something out of the box. And I wanted to do a challenge that I felt like sometimes I just think about, you know, what would I click on if I saw it on Facebook? And I had been seeing a bunch of companies doing videos similar where they were doing things that were really outlandish. And I felt like my series had been pretty attainable in the sense of nothing I was doing was like, whoa, how did she do that? And I have a few, I have a few other things that I thought of that I felt would achieve the same effect. Some, one of them was not wearing any shoes in New York city. (laughs) And then I was sort of like, I don't necessarily, I feel like the pizza one at least gives me, it's at least giving me something happy because I love pizza so it's at least a positive outcome where the shoe one I kind of felt like it didn't give the audience that much of a takeaway except for my feelings about how dirty the sidewalks are and you know maybe tidbits about homeless people and how this is a real thing for people but I just felt like the pizza one was so much more of an opportunity for me to treat myself and I had I had recently done the self-love episode where I learned all about intuitive eating from a nutritionist and 
I'm just all about intuitive eating. I think I, I probably don't eat enough nourishing content because I eat a lot of dessert and a lot of candy. Like I have, you know, a fruit snack pack at my desk every day and I can't go to the movies without Sour Patch Kids. Um, and sometimes I find myself at a meal, like I'm getting full too fast because I'm ready for dessert. I just have such a sweet tooth. But the pizza episode was just such an exciting moment to let myself pick my favorite food and allow myself to eat it only that food for five days, but in a way that I also felt was potentially serviceable to the audience because I almost saw it as a listicle that's like, you know, 20 ways to eat pizza. And there are just so many new ideas that you maybe wouldn't have thought of that are actually good ideas that people might adopt. Yeah, I, really, I thought it was really creative. Like you showed so many. I thought it was going to be like just pepperoni pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and a snack. And I was like, this this still, I was still very intrigued though, even if, it, if that was it. But you were making it and you were showing like dessert pizza, breakfast pizza, um, salad on pizza, all the different pizza ideas. And it, it was just, it was very, like you said, refinery is very body positive and the way you did that video, very food positive, right? There was no like food shaming right, about right. that. And, and I really appreciated that. And I also appreciate what you're saying about thin privilege. That is a uh, hard topic for me even to know what my beliefs are on. <laughs> like, cause it, I, it's, it's still a thing where there's thin shaming and it's still hurtful, but to what extent do you come out and like you said, complain about it and, and argue about it and fight for your right to, to be thin and no one get a, it, no one have opinions about it. Like how important is it to come out and do that and be an activist for this? And right. when do you know when just to let it go and to feel your feelings, but not have to necessarily become an activist for that particular movement because thin privilege is a real thing. So totally. I appreciate you coming from that perspective and sharing that and also being able to share that, of course, it hurts when people make those comments, but it's not really your highest priority to, to make a thing out of it. Yes, definitely. I, and I, you know, if I need to vent to someone or discuss how I'm feeling about it, I have plenty of people in my life that I can get their opinion or tell them how it's making me feel, but at the end of the day, it's definitely something that I recognize, and especially working in such close quarters with a ton of people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum and who are constantly fighting for equality in their sense of the word. It's just, it seems to me a little silly to, it's hard because it's like on the one hand you feel it, and then on the other hand you're like, stop, because some, you know, I've had so many people tell me, oh my God, if someone asked me if I had an eating disorder, I'd be so happy. And I'm like, I can't wrap my brain around that because I just can't wrap my brain around someone trying to be thinner or, you know, feeling like it's a good thing to have an eating disorder. Um, I, I can't, it's tough for me to try to figure out what I think in the situation exactly like you were saying. Um, all I know is how it makes me feel, but then how I put it into perspective in the society that we're in and realize that it's just not, it's not something that I can take a real big stance against because I, I can't even begin to put myself in the shoes of the people who are seeing it from the flip side. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it also sounds like you have developed a lot of confidence in who you are. And so while that it hurts to hear from people, like to say, it probably doesn't absorb your entire day and you just start constantly thinking about what they're thinking about you, maybe to some extent, but you have such a big creative process that you're taking on. You probably really want to savor your energy for what you're creating. And I also, I tell people all the time, the comments that, you know, I think a lot of people would see comments about themselves or their physical appearance or their voice or their nose. And that is what kills them. You know, when they read someone saying something about how they're ugly or fat or whatever, I, I feel that I've been so fortunate in my life to have the confidence to just love myself and my body and the physical things about me enough that I could read comments like that all day and it, it wouldn't really bring me down. I think that the stuff that actually brings me to the lowest point is the comments about the quality of the work. And mm-hmm. there have been a couple of times when I've like uploaded, the audio has been really bad during a recording, but I needed to get the video up anyway. So we just left the audio bad and uploaded it. And then someone comments like, wow, the audio is really bad at three minutes and 30 seconds. Mm. And like, that annoys me. That makes me mad because then I'm like, damn it, they're right. The the audio was bad. And someone is critiquing the quality of this baby that I've been trying to build. And that hurts a lot more than someone telling me like, you know, you have vocal fry because I'm just like, whatever, that's my voice. That's who I am. And I'm happy. So you can tune out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of statements really trigger something deep down. It's like that, especially when it's something that you take so much pride in and you love and you want to like do a good job in something and you get that kind of critique and just sitting with it, right? Just letting it pass and letting it go because you know that what you created was what you were meant to create for that project. That's what I like to believe at least. Like not everything is supposed to be quote, perfect, because nothing is really perfect. But even if audio messes up at minute three, like there's probably some sort of reason why it needed to mess up at minute three. I just love to believe that everything happens for some particular reason. And that's how I I, I sit in whatever someone is saying, even if it's triggering me, is allowing it to be, to affect me in some way, but also to know confidently that everything is happening the way it's supposed to. Um. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. I love that. So before we go to the quick fire round, I, I just want to know out of your five day challenges, um, kind of two things. I had two more questions. I'm going to kind of try to put them into one, but basically part a was sometimes when you're doing a lot of different things, you can go through self improvement overload. I'm sure it's like, you're constantly trying all of these new things that are supposed to be wonderful. You're for your health and, and, and it takes up a lot of time to create meditation practices and to eat the certain way and to wake up at 6 a.m. so you get extra journaling time in and to take cold showers and to do the certain makeup routine. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. So my, my main question, I suppose, is what out of your challenges has truly stuck? What do you still do consistently? Something, maybe a couple things that just haven't you haven't let go of because you really enjoy it and it works with your lifestyle yeah that's a great question and there I'm totally I think I have a bit of an addictive personality when it comes to some of these challenges because I get so encapsulated by the challenge and I 
get obsessed with it and obsessed with actually doing it in my life for a little while after until the new thing comes along. And then I'm like, I, I've actually said to my boyfriend multiple times because I just finished shooting five days of calligraphy, which is coming out in January. And at the same time, I was working on a personal goal, which was I really, really, really want to be able to do a certain type of handstand that I'm working on with my trainer. And so for about a week, I was in my bedroom every single night going over the prescription, quote, prescription that my trainer gave me of exercises to do to strengthen my wrists and strengthen my shoulders and my abs. And so I've been doing these things and practicing the handstands like nonstop for maybe five days. Obviously, that wasn't for a video. It was just every night my boyfriend would be sitting on the bed and he'd watch me and I'd be getting better and better. And I was like blown away with my progress. Then I did five days of calligraphy for an actual video. And of course, for the video, I had to buy all the I bought the calligraphy pen and the nib and the ink and tons of brush pens. And I just got so obsessed with hand lettering and calligraphy and of course started following all the hashtags on Instagram, hashtag calligraphy, hashtag hand lettering, hashtag uh, like bubble art and I'm just falling in love with watching other people do it but also with practicing the strokes and it became like because I had done it for so many days in a row, it became one of those things that I was like dreaming about making letters. <laughs> I was looking, I, I would find myself looking at a person's face. This is the weirdest thing, but I was looking at somebody's face and as I was like nodding my head while they were talking to me, I was drawing a calligraphy letter around their head. <laughs> and I was like, it's such a perfect A. Their head is a perfect A. And then it actually, I was noticing how I'd come home from work and we, you know, put on a show or make our dinner and I was getting so obsessed with pulling out the brush pens and practicing a few letters and I was, I turned to Michael and I was like, I don't have time to do calligraphy and my handstands. <laughs> I just, I was so obsessed with the handstands for a week and then I moved on to something else and there's just no time in the day for me to do everything that I want to do and to keep up all of the challenges. So you totally nailed that on the head. And I definitely have to work on balancing out things so that I can do more instead of doing, you know, one thing to the max. But a few of the things that I've definitely kept up and that have carried forward, first and foremost, I'd say my five days of hydration episode where I was starting to actually focus on how much water I was drinking throughout the day. That was just such a great week for me because I felt like I had a new sense of purpose in the middle of the day, which was I have to, you know, label this water bottle with the time of the day that I have to be at a certain area. And it kind of kept me on task doing my job because I was like my water bottle turned into a clock where I knew that at a certain time I was going to get up to refill it and, I actually felt really great. I didn't get any headaches during that week, and I felt maybe this wasn't related because I don't know if it would happen this quickly, but my skin looked better than it had. And so I definitely have kept that up. Of course, it's tough when I'm on set or if I'm just having a really busy day. Sometimes I completely forget, but more often than not, I now have tons of those different types of water bottles on my desk and I'm just constantly refilling and drinking and peeing. <laughs> so that's great. Um, and then another thing is 
my five days of no waste episode with Lauren Singer, that girl has just inspired me to the max. And I've actually bought a bunch of stuff at her zero trash pop-up shop in Brooklyn. I don't even know if it's a pop-up shop anymore because she maybe actually signed a, a contract to have the store there for a few years. But I bought myself this set of bamboo kitchen utensils and I keep them in my desk at work. So now I try not to use any of the plastic. I just use and wash my bamboo fork and knife and she's taught me little tips and tricks that are in that episode. Like when I go to a restaurant, I might not need a napkin with my drink. I can just give it back to them. Or, um, when I, I used to have a whole set of plastic straws at home and we've replaced those with these copper straws. So now it's just all reusable. And I've definitely adopted some more zero waste habits. Okay. Those are all really awesome like habits to hold on to. I really love those. I mean, and it's it's making the the planet a better place, of course, but drinking more water, it's such a it's such an underrated um habit, I guess you would say, and it has such a big benefit. So, if you're going to keep up with any of those, I think those are really solid choices. Um I so I I love the calligraphy like versus handstand dilemma. And I totally relate to that because Right. Currently, actually, I very much relate to that because I have my own handstand practice that I've been super intense about, very intentional, but I am also trying to learn guitar right now. And I have an acro yoga practice and I go to Pilates and I like to keep up with my like biking or running cardio. And then there's, there's the business. I've got to run a business and coach and all this. And sometimes you just have to choose and it's really stressful because you love all these different things you're doing, but you just don't have time for all of it. And I don't like that, but that's just like the fact of life. There's only so much time in a day and you've got to save some for like Netflix and chill. I hear so. And I actually think a lot of people ask me how, you know, I get the question a lot. Like, how are you so positive? How are you, are you really happy all the time? And of course, I'm a human being, so of course I'm not happy all the time. You know, I cry and I have moments where I'm venting about things, but I would say that on the general scale of life, I am mainly a happy person, and I am really, you know, the way I am in my videos in real life because I'm not an actress, so I can't really fake it that well. But I I actually, one of the things that I'm going to start telling people is, I really feel like the things that I do and the new things that I try and dive into that I probably never would have tried before really do add to your life and give you this sense of enjoyment and purpose that you didn't have before. Even something as silly, I mean, this isn't silly, this is some people's lives, but even something like calligraphy, which was never a part of my life, I was never into handwriting. I mean, I always... I always changed up my handwriting as a young girl because I never felt like I had good handwriting, but I never would have thought that I'd be interested in calligraphy or any sort of hand lettering. And the fact that I picked a topic that I, you know, people told me, can you do five days of calligraphy? I said, okay. I went on YouTube and I just literally looked up as many videos as I could about how to do calligraphy and what are the different forms and what's, how does calligraphy differ from modern calligraphy or hand lettering or are they all the same and read tons of articles and watched tons of videos. And after a certain period of time, I was like, 
getting really into it because I was learning about it. And it's, I think a lot of people just don't know how many different worlds are out there. I think they think that their world is the world, but they don't know that there are so many communities on the internet and other places for tiny different things that they've never even explored before. And I've had the chance to get involved in some of these communities. One example is the meditation community. When I did five days of meditation, I met this incredible group of young millennial meditators that go to a place called Medi Club and do group meditation. When I did five days of natural remedies, I went to this remedy shop in Brooklyn where they have a herbal CSA and they get herbs sent to them. And I met a whole group of these people that are into herbs and natural supplements. And then, you know, I go do a video here and I meet the crew of people that's interested in calligraphy and hand lettering. And you realize that there are so many different pockets of people that have interests. And I've never been the kind of person, I love change, I love switching things up. And I've never been the kind of person who wants to pick one thing and just do that forever. I actually find that the weeks of my life when I'm shooting videos, when I'm really into trying something new, I feel like I'm on this high because I'm learning about something new and I'm really exploring it. And now all of a sudden I have this new topic that I'm well versed in and I can talk to my friends about and I can give people suggestions of things to try if, you know, if they're feeling like they want to try a new yoga class. Okay, here are five cool yoga classes that are available in New York that I tried. And I think you'll like this because it's, you flip upside down, or I think you'll like this because you're on the river. And it's just totally changed my outlook on, like for me now, there's just no excuse to sit around and feel bored or unhappy or to, I mean, of course you can feel how you're feeling and I wouldn't want someone to judge themselves for feeling a certain way, especially if they had, you know, some sort of mental um, anxiety or things that you can't control. But I do think a lot more people can add new things into their lives that they maybe wouldn't think they'd be interested in and they will feel a sudden burst of excitement about it. Yeah. That's one of the best feelings of, of my life is, is feeling like you find a community, uh, not just a, a small group of friendships because that in itself is, is different, but very important, but creating a community that, when you, when you walk into a room and you see some familiar faces and you're doing something you'll all have this mutual interest in, I adore that. It's one of those simple pleasures in life that it just brings me so much joy. And for me, that's been my acro yoga. Um, I, I, a year ago, I didn't have this community, but I've really invested a lot of time and energy into this art form. And acrobatics has, I had no idea I would be such a big acro yogi and a fan of acrobatics and doing these tricks and stunts and like, Oh my God, it's brought me so much joy, but the community and being able to do this with new bodies and new people and, and just surrender as a flyer or learn how to have more body awareness and control is such a beautiful art form, but being able to do that in a community and build that is God, it's just so special to me. It makes me want to cry. Like I went and I, I live in Boulder and I, I go into Denver to, to do it with the big Denver group often. And when I walk into a room of like 30 people and I, I know like 25 of them because I've been spending a lot of time getting invested in this particular group. It's just such a joy. And it, it's just, it's so beautiful. There's so much community in that. So a pole dancing class recently and I met a whole bunch of these people who were 
who go to the studio every day and they're practicing because it's a competition studio. And I just remember meeting this one woman in particular who's a lawyer, but on the side, she's a competitive pole dancer. And I was watching her do her routine and watching all the people that were in the studio and just thinking how strange it is because it's a, it's down the street from my apartment. And I was just like, I've lived in my apartment now for almost two years and there's been this little amazing community of people like 50 feet from me for so long and I never even realized and now here I am engaging with them and talking to them and watching them and it's like this is this is their little circle and there's just so much there's never you know too many people there's always room for more yeah and they're so welcoming the pole community is awesome I love the pole community they're so fun and and that art form is just beautiful okay so Quick fire round time. Um, we're a little over the hour. I, this conversation has been so much fun. So I'll try to make this, this part short, but just say whatever pops in your head first. Okay. All right. What are two things on your bucket list right now? Oh, skydiving and eating an oyster. <laughs> what would you say your spirit animal is? Oh, a hummingbird. What's one must-read book? Running with Scissors by Augustine Burroughs. What's one thing that's non-negotiable in your morning routine? My cellar water. What little pleasure brings you immense joy? Eating Oreos. What's one <laughs> thing you can't live without? Oh, um... Hmm. Oh my gosh. Why can't I pick something to not live without? I would probably say any form of dessert because I, I can't finish the meal without eating something sweet. <laughs> what is something you want to live without? I would love to live without football. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's such a dangerous sport. Uh, it's scary every time I watch it. I'm from Texas. It's like a sin to say that. In Texas. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I I'm totally cool with it because I'm not I'm not I'm I mean I I'm a fan of like the the culture. I guess I like the whole like everyone's wearing the same colors and we're all in the house eating nachos and guacamole together. Like I like that. But the actual uh, game, I was also in the marching band. So I guess I kind of, yeah, I was all about it. But There you go. But the actual game, I'm not, I don't follow along. I'm not a huge fan on. So I, I can, I can agree. To be completely fair, I have struggled for, you know, I'm a very smart person and I pick things up quickly, but I've struggled for my entire life to understand how football works. So I always I'm confused. What's happening? Why did they stop? Why is this three seconds taking 10 minutes? I'm always confused with football. And <laughs> I have to take a little lesson from myself and actually dive in and explore football. And maybe I'll get obsessed. Maybe that should be a challenge. Five days of football. Yeah. Five days of learning everything you can about football. Maybe you can like interview a, a professional football player and like do some sort of guest star appearance at a game. I don't know. Oh, that is a great idea. Yeah, that would be cool. i got to write that down. Um, <laughs> last two questions. What is your favorite meal right now? Um, the Cacio e Pepe at Italy. I have no idea any of those words, but it sounds <laughs> delicious. <laughs> it's a type of – it's a pasta dish 
that I believe is just either like olive oil or butter with pepper, salt and pepper. Mm, so simple like, and so good. Simple. And the pasta is just perfectly al dente and it's amazing. Oh, that sounds delicious right now. Okay, last question. Something everyone should try at least once in their life. Hmm. I would say is traveling too broad? I don't think so. <laughs> but if you could pick a place, where would you say travel to? Hmm. I have distant cousins that live in a little tiny village in Italy, just outside of Rome, called Supino. And when I went there, it was just straight out of a book. Like, my cousin is randomly the mayor of his village. And <laughs> so their home is on the top of the hill. And it's like in the little church on the top of the hill is the mayor's house. And it was just so classic out of some book. Um but I don't know. I don't like my answer. I was going to say travel and just get out of your bubble. But maybe, I, I think maybe it would be some sort of living away from home for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I was really happy to have gone to a university, you know, out of my home state and not in my home town at all. Um, and not with many people from my high school. Of course, I had my twin sister there, which is cheating. But then I also lived in London for a semester and studied abroad. Ugh. And that was really eye-opening to be able to it's, – it's easy when you're growing up to only see yourself in one spot. And it was eye-opening to be like, oh, wow, I can safely and healthfully live in another country. And that's cool. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know if I have the bug right now to want to live abroad, but I definitely want to travel abroad. And one of my big – 2018 goals is to just travel as much as I can and see as much of the planet as I can. Traveling truly is the, I think it's the fast track to confidence in yourself because yeah. even like merely navigating a airport abroad, I was so accomplished. I felt so proud of myself, like being able to get in and out of an airport by myself. But then like, I, so I lived in, um, do you ever have any questions about Southeast Asia? I lived there for four months last year. Oh my gosh, where? I was in Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, and Indonesia. Oh man, those are all on the list for me. <laughs> Incredible. I In 2018, I plan to go back to Thailand and probably um, I want to go to Laos and the Philippines and mm -hmm. Myanmar. Like I want to see the rest of Southeast Asia. It's just Oh, it feels like home away from home and, and it's, it feels so safe. Like I felt safer walking in the streets of Thailand at night than I feel safe walking at Denver in Denver at night. Like I just feel like everyone there, even if they don't talk to me or even look at me, like they've got my back. Like it's just, a, it feels what? like a supportive place. You know, it really does. So if you ever have any questions, I would be happy to help you point you in the direction of if some places there because it's just oh, I want everyone to go there it's so incredible I think that's so amazing because it's easy to look at a place that's across the world as just so distant and so scary and I mean I've never been to Asia I, I really want to go to Asia I've never been and my vision of it right now is just probably so wrong from what it actually is because I've only seen 
some travel photos and I've seen some movies and I just don't even have a concept of what it is. But so many people in the world live there and so many people have traveled there and it's just like a whole other world on our planet and I cannot imagine going through my life without seeing other places. And it's really easy to overthink before you get there. Like when when I went there for the first time, I was it was probably three months before my trip. And I was Googling how to get a taxi at the Bangkok airport. And wow. like freaking out because I was like, how in the world am I going to be able to get a taxi at the airport? And of course, taxis are everywhere at the airport and they, they understand <laughs> English and they get you where you need to go. And like, it's just like America. It's just like America, but people look different. The buildings are different and there's cultural differences, but like, it, I don't know. And, and, and it's okay, right? Like for anyone listening and they're like, yeah, that stuff stresses me the heck out. And that, that's fine. That's okay. It's, it's good to have a little bit of that alertness, but then once, just don't let that stop you from going. Cause then once you get there, you realize, oh, like this is pretty freaking sweet. Like I feel safe. I feel protected. And if you don't, then you get in these situations where you realize more of what you need whenever you travel. Maybe you do need a buddy. Maybe you do like solo learning things about yourself. It's traveling. Oh, I love it. So that was a great answer. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm glad I felt a little lame about it at first, but now I feel better. No, no, it was perfect. Obviously. And I'm so on board with that. Um, Lucy, this conversation has been just so much fun. I'm so grateful to have you on. Thank you so much. I love, as I said to you before, I love podcasts and I'm, I feel like they're the new thing that's going to be blowing up shortly if they haven't already. And I'm, I always love every time I'm interviewed on a podcast because I just feel like there's this random person across the country or world sometimes who I'm now friends with. Like we have a special connection, Maddie. Mm -hmm. I feel it too. And it makes me so happy (laughs) you just said that. Yeah. And we always will, and no one can take that away from us. I know, because we just created something together. I know, and it, it would have been totally different with any other people. Exactly. We would not have covered all these beautiful topics, so I'm I'm super grateful, and I'm really happy. And um, I will have all of your links, of course, on the show notes for this. This is episode 184. Oh, look at you. Oh, I love, I feel very similar to how you feel about creating videos with creating podcasts. Like it's just such a special experience. Like you were just saying, creating something with another human being and making a new friend. Um, so yeah, everyone make sure you head on over to the show notes for this. So you can see all the lovely things we talk about and to check out the link to the book that she mentioned is a must read book. And, um, I just hope you all had a wonderful holiday and I hope to see you guys for another episode next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.